Do you feel stuck battling the same fears, temptations, lies, and doubts? Do you ever wonder if you will overcome them? Does it seem as if you're in the battle alone? I know I've been there, which is why I wrote The Struggle is Real, But So is God. And also my friend Judy Dunnigan, she has been there too. In today's episode, we're going to talk about her new book, The Loudest Roar, Living in the Unshakable Victory of Christ. You will marvel at the power, majesty, and authority of our Lord Jesus and learn how to stand in unshakable victory because you know what, friends? He has already won that victory for you. And in that victory, you will discern God's voice over the lies of the enemy. You will stand firm in faith rather than giving way to fear. You will dwell in the cover of God's armor over you and your loved ones. Keep your thoughts captive to truth and find victory over the cycles of sin in your life. God's roar over you will become your roar, diminishing the lies of the enemy to a whisper. Judy is an acquisitions editor for women's Bible studies and books at Moody Publishers. She is a wonder seeker of God and his word. She is passionate about discipleship and making God's word and prayer come alive every day. She is a Bible study teacher and a speaker and serves on the board of Deeper Walk International. She and her husband, Rick, live in Colorado, and I can't wait for you to get to know Judy a little bit better, hear her story, and also her wisdom that she shares in The Loudest Roar. Take heart. The enemy's roar is but a whisper in the presence of our mighty God. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Judy Dunnigan, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I'm so excited to have you on with me today. Thank you so much, Misty, for having me. I was so excited to just get to see your face as we're here recording this. So it's great. Thank you. Yeah, we met several years ago when Mm -hmm. you had just become an acquisitions editor at Moody and I was writing my Bible study. I didn't even know what I didn't know at that time. But what I did know was I was like, that's a really cool lady and I'd like to get to know her more. And so it's been fun to watch you over the years. And so when I saw that your book came out, I was really excited to bring you in to talk about the loudest role 
door, living in the unshakable victory of Christ. And I think that we all could use a dose of that. So we're going to talk about the book today, and we're going to talk about some of the the things that you cover in the book. But I love this title, The Loudest Roar. How did that come about? Oh, Misty, um, I love that story. I was on staff at our church. I was heading up women's ministries at the time, and I met with a woman who had one of the hardest stories I've ever heard. It was like the enemy was just coming at her with one thing after another, and she was doubting God's goodness and faithfulness and really, I think, even his existence. And so I hoped to encourage her through God's word. I gave her some prayer resources, of course said, let's meet again. I prayed over her. But I remember after I said goodbye, when I walked back to my office, my head was almost down in defeat. And I just cried out to the Lord. I remember saying to him, your word tells us that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Why does he have so much power? Why is his roar so loud over us? And I'll never forget it. It was as if the Lord whispered to my heart, yes, Judy, but I'm the bigger lion with the louder roar. I'm the lion of Judah and I'm seated on the throne. And I remember my heart just like being lifted. And I, and I, I realized those truths are all through God's word. I mean, I known those truths since I was a little girl, because my father, Mark Bubeck is a best-selling author and had written many books about our victory in Christ, about the armor and about prayer. And so I grew up with those truths, but I even had that moment of kind of doubting why does the enemy have so much power and God's word shows us that our God is the bigger line with the louder roar. So that's how I came up with the title. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I felt that way many times as a young woman with all of the different struggles that we were facing because the enemy comes to try to to defeat us, discourage us, distract us. Like his tactics aren't new, um, but we have to remember that God's voice is louder. So I loved that story in the book. So let's talk a little bit more about your your parents and your family, because your dad was a big influence on the book that you've written because of the books that he's written. But in the book, you also talk about your mom in these yellow sticky notes that you found, which I think are just such a sweet treasure. I love the heritage that your parents have passed on to you and how that is now playing out in your book. So tell me about the yellow sticky notes. I'd love to share that story. My mom, unfortunately, was hit with Alzheimer's. We first started seeing signs when she was 70 years old, and she battled it for 14 years before the Lord took her home. And when she got to the point where she could no longer speak or write, and it's right when my parents had to bring a hospital bed into their room, my dad was caring for her in the home, and we'd go there often. We lived a few states away, but we'd be there often. So at this particular time, my sister and I rushed there because mom seemed to be fading even more. And we were just straightening some things up in their room. And then there was a stack of older newspapers. And it's only God that I saw this yellow sticky note and didn't throw the newspapers away. And on it, it said, I'm fading away, but Jesus is keeping me every day. And then under that, she wrote just the reference Hebrews 12, one and two. And what made this significant is she no longer could write. And so this was in her beautiful handwriting. So most likely she wrote that about two years before Alzheimer's stole her handwriting. And then after she passed away, I got her Bible that my father had given her while she had Alzheimer's. And I, Misty, I looked through that Bible and I would see her write things like praise the Lord by a, fav- a favorite verse and amen and such. And she couldn't even spell that right. 
but she was still worshiping and still in the word. And in the front of that Bible was another sticky note. And all that was on it was Hebrews 12, one to two. And so those verses I had to dwell in and they have become my life verses. I'm going to just speak them over us now. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I call that my sticky note legacy from my mom, that in the midst of Alzheimer's, she was still worshiping, she was still remembering verses and writing praise the Lord in her Bible, and uh, what a testimony for me. So I was definitely blessed by my parents. My father was a pastor for over 40 years, and they lived what they taught as a pastor and a pastor's wife in our church. And I I was very grateful for that. Well, and how has that legacy affected the writing of this book? Well, my father wrote the first book he ever wrote on warfare and our victory in Christ is called The Adversary. It's a bestseller. It came out in 1975. And in that book, I was probably just a middle schooler when he wrote it. And there's a story of mine, actually, because I started to come under a great attack from the enemy. I had debilitating nightmares, just a lot of terror trying to fall asleep. And unfortunately, Misty, at about that age, middle grade, I'd go to slumber parties with my friends. And you know what can happen at slumber parties? is you start to dabble with seances and levitation games and uh, Ouija boards. And I should have known better because the home I grew up in, I was just almost like I was blinded. And I, I, dabbled with those things, uh, probably to try to be popular and to fit in. And that gave the enemy a strong foothold where he was able to come at me. But, you know, because any of us who are followers of Christ, this enemy wants to come at us. He loves to attack us through lies and accusations and temptations. You know, God's word tells us that he is the father of lies and that he accuses us. And the whole point of my book is to talk, though, about the victory that Jesus has already won for us through his death and his his resurrection and his ascension, and to learn to live and stand in the that victory as followers of Christ, rather than living in defeat or fear or hopelessness when it comes to the enemy or it comes to our sin choices or the pull that the world can have on us, we can be victors in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, when you read Hebrews, at the end of that, it talks about Christ being seated at the right hand of God. And so can you tell the listeners, why is that important for us to understand that? Yeah, this is a major part of my book at the beginning of the book. I think often as believers, we don't really pay a lot of attention to the ascension and what that meant. You know, we talk so much about our Savior's death on the cross and his victorious resurrection, but often the ascension when he ascended after he said goodbye literally to his disciples and ascended to heaven, it's almost as if we don't think much about that. And I share that in my book. I really think his ascension, and we're told that then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I call that the crescendo of the it is finished on the cross when he cried that out because that was a victorious moment, I'm sure, when he ascended. Just imagine the angels and their celebration and God the Father, that Jesus was back amongst them in their midst. But the significance of him being seated is it's such a sign that he has won the victory over sin and death. Now, yes, we're going to continue to battle sin and the enemy has a lot of power on this ground earth. But ultimately, our Lord Jesus is the victorious 
king of kings. One of my favorite quotes in the book, I quote from my dad's book, is Satan roars to make us afraid and thus more vulnerable. But our purchase right is courage to resist him. And then there's another quote from a martyr who was killed in a communist labor camp, Watchman Nee. He talks about in his little book on Ephesians, it's called Sit, Walk, Stand. He has this quote that says, as conquerors, we're more than conquerors. And as conquerors in Christ, we don't fight for victory we fight from victory. And yet, Missy, you know, you've probably had this in your own life. And I lived many years defeated, especially in the area of extreme anxiety that I had to learn to surrender that to the Lord and walk in victory over that in my life. So the enemy doesn't step down. He steps things up often as we try to serve our Lord Jesus. But we can have such victory and peace in our Lord Jesus because of what he has won for us. That's right. That's right. I love that you said that because I actually quote Watchman Nee in The Struggle is Real, but so is God. I discovered that book at the Linear Library when I was studying. So I live near the Linear Theological Library that has, you know, 250,000 theological texts. And that book is a tiny little sliver, but it is power packed with goodness. So I love that you included that. And also that position is is a position authority. So it's very interesting, you know, that the enemy tried to tempt Jesus by saying, I'm going to give you all these things, but really Christ already had, I mean, he knew he was going to have the victory and he was going to be in a position of authority. One of the things that people oftentimes think, they think, well, the enemy did this or the enemy did that, or, you know, the enemy has control of this. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think balance is the key. We have to be a bold and biblical and balanced when it comes to understanding the power the enemy has and the victory Christ has won. And so I know there's extremes. On one end, there's people who blame Satan for everything, for illness or can't find a parking place or it's sometimes because of their own sin choices, you know, they may fall into an affair and they blame the enemy. Whereas on the other side, there's those who don't even believe that there's a devil. They think he's a silly fictional character. Or I had a pastor once tell me, I don't want to even learn about the armor or about our victory in Christ. Cause he said, I get myself in enough trouble and I'm afraid if I try to stand against the enemy's attacks, he'll just step them up and attack me and my family more. And that's very dangerous thinking. And I think, instead, we we just have to look to scripture. One of the key passages on um, warfare and our protection is found in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18, where the whole armor is spelled out. But that starts, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind, his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so my book really dwells in that passage and talks about how we take up the armor and how we stand firm. But the key in that, what I just read is look at how it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We don't do it alone. It's all about him. It's in his strength and his might. And the armor is called the armor of God in this very passage, the whole armor of God. So it's all, again, all about Jesus. 
That's right. It is all about Jesus. Yeah. And oftentimes I I tell people, you know, you've got to be in the word. You have to be in the word because that is the only weapon. Everything Mm -hmm. else of the armor, it's all for protection. We're protecting our mind. We're protecting our heart. You know, we're we're given peace and righteousness and all of these, the salvation, the helmet of salvation, all of that is it protects us from the slings. But the only thing that we have to fight back is that word of God. And so I love that. What areas do you think the enemy attacks the most? Well, I really believe for me, and I have a chapter on this, I have a chapter called When I Am Afraid, because I know so many people are battling anxiety and fear, debilitating fear, especially right now. And I'm very clear in the book that I'm not saying the enemy causes all anxiety. I am wired to be anxious. I like to joke that I think when I was born, I was worried if I did that right. So this goes way back. I was just a fearful little girl. And boy, once I became a mom, you know, fear just tried to overwhelm me. But our family lived in Beijing, China, when our girls were only three and five. And see, while I was there, I really sensed that my battling with anxiety, especially over my youngest daughter, who was sick so often with kind of unique illnesses I hadn't seen in the States. I was one night overcome with so much fear. And and to the point, I've, I've never understood what a breakdown would be, but I felt like I was on the edge of it. And I share more of that story in the book, so I won't go into all of the details, but there was a sense of I had to surrender and I had to run to God's word. And so I remember dwelling in Psalm 91 that night to just keep my thoughts captive to truth, to trust my God. And it was in the middle of the night. There was nothing like urgent care to take her. So I had to wait until eight in the morning to take her to the one clinic that they had with international doctors who spoke English um, that could help me with her. And so in that dark night of the soul, I had a breakthrough where I had to surrender my fears to him for my daughter. And I had to stand against the enemy because he was trying to overwhelm me with that. So I think in those different areas that might be just something that different people wrestle with. And I'm sure those listening, they know exactly what I'm talking about, whatever area it is that can feel like the enemy comes at, because he knows our weaknesses. It's like a lion who stalks a weak prey, a vulnerable prey. And then I think, of course, in the area of sin and temptation. And so I have a chapter on that as well. The enemy is stepping that up and we're seeing amazing leaders and significant followers of Christ that are falling because of sexual sin in their lives. And, you know, sexual addictions are rampant, but there's such hope and victory. And so in my chapter on temptation, I have some really great tools in terms of of fighting the enemy when he's coming at us. You know, what he does too, is he entices us to sin and, and pretty much implies that it's not that bad. Go ahead and do that sin. And then if you fall into that sin, then what does he do? He turns and accuses you and says, you're hopeless. How are you ever going to even make it to heaven? Like he ties it into salvation if you sin. And and why even try to confess and turn from it? And that's just how he works. And so I have a lot of tools in that. And then the third area I believe are lies that the enemy throws at us about our own identity in Christ, but especially about our, our God and who he is and his love and his grace, his forgiveness, his redemption, and his protection over us. I've been there where I have doubted the Lord, and that's a way that the enemy comes at us. So those are the three areas that I focus on in the book, And though I know there's other areas that he can come at us. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned 
you know, there's been a lot of people struggling with fear and anxiety, and the world has been in chaos over the last couple of years. One of the things that the Lord showed me in the beginning of 2020, that this was going to be a battle of faith over fear, and we don't know what, what's coming in the days ahead. And so if you could just speak directly to somebody who may be struggling with those anxious thoughts or with fear of what's ahead, if you listen to the news, all we get is bad news. So so what what encouragement would you offer to someone who's who's struggling in in that right now? Well, I can share some from my own journey, what the Lord has shown me. For me, it's often to keep my thoughts captive to truth. And so dwelling in God's word, and I'm not talking about you have to have your quiet time every day or that good Christian to-do list uh, where there can be guilt, but just asking the Lord to create a hunger. You mentioned how God's word is the sword of the spirit. And Jesus modeled that better than anyone. You know, when Satan came at him in the wilderness with all those temptations, if you read that story in God's word, you see that each time Satan threw a temptation at Jesus, what he, his comeback was, it is written. And he would just quote from God's word. And that was the weapon that our Lord Jesus used. I, I share in the book that it was as if they were in hand-to-hand combat with their swords drawn. And our Lord Jesus' sword was the sword of the Spirit, truths of God's Word, whereas Satan's sword was lies. You know, what's interesting about that scene is Satan even quoted from Psalm 91, which I think is a warfare psalm, but he quoted that part about God will lift you up, the angels will lift you up, so you don't even strike your foot against a stone. That's from Psalm 91. But but each time our Lord Jesus came at him with it is written and then Satan ultimately had to flee. And that has been what has the Lord has used in my life is to just dwell in his word. I ended up reading Psalm 91 and praying it so much for my children when I was fearful for their safety or health while we lived overseas. And even as they grew up into teen years that I ended up memorizing Psalm 91 as did my husband and we'd pray it over our children. And so running to scripture. And then I also think it's often when you're dealing with anxiety, it's hard to fall asleep and to just pray and play. And I also think that often it's hard to fall asleep when you're anxious and your mind is just kind of buzzing with fear to run to worship music, put in those earphones or ear pods and just listen to worship music. There's such amazing worship music you can find on the internet. And I do that all the time, but especially in one season where I was just overcome with the enemy coming at me that's how I would fall asleep. I would make my thoughts captive to the truths of the song. And then I have to mention that I believe prayer is also an offensive weapon as outlined in Ephesians 6 verse 18. Often we think the armor ends at 17 and I always thought that, but if you look at verse 18, it says right after the sword of the spirit in 17, it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And I have come to see prayer as one of the most threatening weapons against the enemy. He does not want God's people to pray. And I know many of us struggle with being consistent in prayer. Our minds can wander and that type of thing. And so in my book, I provide some different prayers that have been written out at the end of each chapter. And then I have some prayers my father wrote based on Psalm 91. And I've written a prayer based on Psalm 139 to pray over your children. And then a prayer based on the armor. And those are just prayer paths. Sometimes when you're anxious, you can't feel like you can't even pray and you can pull those out and pray those. And um, one more thing I would just say,
say is you can also pray scripture to go to passages to calm your anxious heart and turn those psalms that comfort you into a prayer and read it out loud to your God and that will calm your heart and your mind. Yeah, and even when we don't know what to pray, when we just show up, the Holy Spirit will utter, you know, groan. The it's, the Scripture says groanings that like we don't understand because the Lord knows us intimately. You referred to Psalm one thirty nine. I mean, He intimately created us and knows our every being, so He knows our trouble. He just wants us to come to Him, and and He's always with us, and He's always there. I love what you said about worship because I I, I agree with you completely. It's a trifecta. So prayer and being in the Word and praising God. That is the the trifecta to win the battle. This podcast is on the Pray.com app. And one of the features that Pray has is it has nightly meditations for anybody who is, you know, struggling to go to sleep. Because I think a lot of people, that's when your mind starts to race. What I do personally is I have uh, Max McLean who reads the Bible. He's got uh, a, an amazing voice. And every night to settle my heart before I go to bed, doesn't matter what kind of day I've had, I try to just put it on for 30 minutes so that the last thing that I dwell on for the day is is the scripture. And I've been able to listen to the Bible many times just by that simple practice. And it's and then, I don't know, there's something to me about just meditating on the word that really helps us to now, prayer can be a challenge for some people, like you said, they get distracted, And but you've created some resources for people. You've got the prayers in the book, but you have additional resources. Would you like to share that with the audience? Yes. I just wanted to comment on what you shared about those resources to listen to. I've got to do that. So you've got to let me know how to access that because I love that falling to sleep with someone quoting scripture or to, you know, scripture to music. That's such a great idea. Yeah. I've created a bonus resource. It's like a prayer guide and it's called the power of praying scripture. And it's just five prayers with different themes. There's one on lamenting prayer. And so I take a Psalm and, and you can plug in whoever you're lamenting for. If you're worried about a loved one who has cancer or you're lamenting in your own life, you can personalize the prayer, but it hones in on different scriptures. There's one on fear when I am afraid and one on when I am tempted tied into the theme of the book. And so that's available if the listeners go to my website at judydunnigan.com and subscribe. It's a free download. So that's just some bonus material that they can have. Excellent, Judy. I'm so excited for this wor- this book to get out into the world and to give people resources to know that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. His roar is louder than the enemy, and through him, we have victory. So thank you so much, my friend. It's been fun to hear your story and to listen to this encouragement. Thank you so much, Missy. I've loved being here and I love your heart for the Lord and his word and God is using you in such great ways. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Philip, and I would love to connect with you there. 